Let me ask you, have you ever received a gift from someone and said that cliche phrase, oh, you shouldn't have? Has anybody ever actually said that? You shouldn't have. Anybody? Nobody wants to admit it? Oh, thank you, Geraldine. You shouldn't have. Um, I think, you know, when it's sincere, it probably means something like, you spent too much on me, or this is, you know, too valuable for little old me, that kind of a thing, or, or I'm undeserving of a gift like this, um, something like that. Now, it's easy to get, you know, in that mindset of I'm, I'm too unworthy for a gift like that. I'm not worthy of it, of the cost that you went through. Now, when God, God gives costly gifts, James 1.17 says, Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights. Um, every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift. That's from God. Gifts I don't deserve, I've received from God. And uh, gifts for which... I and we are unworthy, but the gifts God gives, instead of showing us as being worthy, they show the supernatural worthiness of God. He gives things that are way beyond. He is, they show the, the worth of the gift giver, the, the glorious, otherworldly worth of the gift giver. How could you do that? In Romans 5, there's a verse I love that says, even while we were enemies of God, he sent his son to die for us. While we were enemies, while we were turned in our rebellion against God, he sent his son to die. He didn't wait for us to sort of, you know, make a shift. He, He did that. Now, God so loved the world, he so loved us, that he gave his only son as a gift. I mean, he gave. God so loved the world that he gave. It's a gift. Forgiveness, peace with God, eternal life. These are all things that came as part of that gift, part of the gift of receiving Christ. He, as I say, forgiveness, peace with God, where, oh, I'm, the night I got saved, it was like, wow, I... I feel light. Something's been lifted off my shoulders, and I have a, I, I have a peace that I haven't known. I've been, I had been searching for it, but I hadn't quite grasped it. Um, eternal life, it's part of the package. We get Christ, we get eternal life. And then Jesus said, God the Father would give his followers another helper or another comforter. He said that. Another. And the word another there actually means another of the same sort. Not something completely different. Something different. Someone different. But he said another and it means of the same type. Which of course he was speaking regarding the spirit of truth. That's in John chapter 14. The spirit of truth. And then later he says, the Holy Spirit. He calls him these different names. The helper, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. And we get the Holy Spirit and say, oh, Father, you shouldn't have. 
He's, that gift is too valuable for little old me, for little old you. I'm undeserving. And God knows that. God knows we're unworthy. But what he's done, again, displays his glory. As the Bible says, when we stand before him, no one will be able to boast and say, well, it was because I was wiser, because I was um, more holy, because I was more this or that or any. No, it'll all be all glory to God. This was a, a gift from God. His value, it all shows how deserving he is of praise forevermore and glory. So, I want to read tonight Acts chapter uh, 2, verses 1 to 4, and verses 38 to 39. Last week, we talked about the day of Pentecost, which was a special day in the Jewish calendar that was connected to harvest. It was 50 days later, that's the, where the, the term Pentecost comes. It was 50 days later, and here it happened 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, which was on Passover, which happened at that very, or sorry, his crucifixion was on Passover, then he rose from the dead, 50 days later. And so we talked about that last week, about the day of Pentecost was already a day on their calendar that they knew about, they celebrated, but then God poured out his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and it took on a new meaning, it took on something far more, it had to do with harvest, And it became the beginning of the global harvest of souls. And as God began to gather into himself the people that will be with him for eternity. So it took on a much more glorious um, meaning than what it had been before. So let's read Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4 and 38 and 39. And when the day of Pentecost had come. They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the house, the whole house, where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance, or as the Spirit enabled them, or as the Spirit gave them expression. They spoke, but the Spirit gave them this expression. Then uh, go through the whole chapter here. Peter gets up, the, the people around them. It's at Jerusalem, the day of Pentecost. Jerusalem is filled with followers of Judaism from the whole region, from around, well, the 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 known world at the time, and they're all there. The city has swollen in terms of its population. People are there, and they begin to hear them speaking in tongues and saying, wow, we're hearing them proclaiming the wonderful works of God in our own languages. Fifteen languages are mentioned there. Peter gets up, and he preaches Jesus to them, and he says, this sign that you're wondering about all has to do with God's son, Jesus, who promised that he When he is lifted up and ascends, he'll send us the Holy Spirit. So he does this and he preaches Jesus. And it says in verse 37 that they were pierced to the heart when they heard Peter speak about Jesus. They were convicted. They were pierced to the heart. And then they say, what what are we supposed to do about this message? How do we respond? Verse 38, Peter said to them, repent 
And let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children. It's for you and those close to you. But not just that, that's too small for God. And for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. The promise is for you and for your kids, for your family, for the people that are nearest you. But then God's got a much, much, much bigger vision than that. And to the ends of the earth, to those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. He says this. He, he tells them this. that You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people respond. 3,000 people say, yep, sign me up. I want Jesus. I want that. And so, the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the day of Pentecost to a relatively small group of people. About 120 people. Um, that would be about three times what we had in here having here. 120 people. Pretty small little group. And we noted that last week that this wasn't a one-time experience though. God poured out the Holy Spirit on that small little group and then he kept filling those people. Time and again, it says, and Peter, full of the Holy Spirit. Peter was filled with the Spirit. They prayed, they were filled again. They kept getting filled. The first disciples got filled again and again and again. And that's normal. That's normal Christianity. That's what God intends and desires for all his people, to be filled with the Spirit and then to be filled again. And to keep being filled. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, as Ephesians 5.18 says, live filled live with a continual infilling. In fact, in John chapter 7, it says, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. It says, if anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. And then he said, and out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Not even just a river, rivers. It'll keep going. It'll keep going more. There's, it, that's the thing with the river. It's, it's, it keeps coming. It keeps flowing. It's not just... There, that's how much you've got. No, it keeps flowing. It keeps coming. And he says, rivers of living water. He intends for us to keep getting filled up. Fresh water, fresh filling, that kind of thing. Oh, but I was filled, you know, I, I, I don't deserve so much of the Holy Spirit. Again, you don't. But God promises it anyway. He wants it for you. You didn't deserve Jesus' death on the cross either. But that's how... That's how God is. He wants to give the gifts. Just like, let me ask any parents. Has there ever been a time where maybe one of your kids did something and you still, it's like it's momentary and then you bless them with some kind of a gift very shortly after. Like on, you know, Like Christmas Eve, one particular Christmas Eve, Rose, her German tradition was that the kids could open one gift on Christmas Eve. And uh, one of our kids, the female one, (laughs) on one particular Christmas Eve, 
was so excited that she couldn't contain herself. And after, after multiple, um, you know, corrections and settled down, finally it was like, nope, that's it, to bed with you. And then it was like, you know, I was the Antichrist or something. But you had to take her, put her in bed, that's it. You're not, we're not doing that tonight. And she was choked. But by morning, I mean, who cares? It's like she's just back on. I mean, we love that kid. It was that she was excited. She was being, I think that was the only one time in her life that she ever acted badly like that. But uh, <laughs> um, there, she was undeserving. She wasn't like she did something that was like, oh, you've been so good, you're going to get it. No, you're going to get all of these blessings anyway. And then, you know, I don't mean we were rewarding bad behavior, but, you know, you give gifts like you love them. And you're going to give them good gifts, right? It's just the way that it is. That's us. Imagine the heart of God with love that's pure and untainted by any selfishness or any need for anything. He's, there's no insecurity, no failure, no frailty at all. God is so above and he's decided, no, I want you to have a gift. Oh, but I haven't even, you know, kind of cleaned myself up. Yeah, I'm going to give you a gift. The gift will start cleaning you up, which the Holy Spirit does that very thing. He promised, he promised that he would pour out his spirit on our sons and daughters. He would pour out his spirit on us. He promised that. And he made good on his promise. Luke chapter 24, verses 49. Jesus speaks to the disciples and he says, you know, wait here. I'm sending what the Father promised. He doesn't even say the Holy Spirit at that point, but that's what he was talking about. Then in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he says this. Or it says this, gathering them together, Jesus, he's resurrected by this point, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised which he said you heard of from me. John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Wait in Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for what the Father promised. Then in Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 33, it says this, Therefore, this is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus, And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Then you look over in verse 39. We just read it a moment ago. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord your God shall call. Jesus, sorry, the Father promised the Holy Spirit. Jesus reiterated the promise and said, it's going to happen. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. And and wait didn't just mean do whatever you want. It meant anticipate it and get in a position to receive. Have faith that God's going to make good on his promise. Amen. Amen? How many know somebody in your life that promised you something? You couldn't see how they'd do it, but they were the kind of person that you knew, if that person told me they're going to do that, I, I trust it. Yeah, you know one of those kind of people where, you know, my, yeah, my mom, I was thinking the same thing. My mom said she's going to do it. You know, if she didn't do it, it was because somehow she could not. And with God, that's not an issue. 
He has both the will to do it and the ability to carry it out, to fulfill it. Have faith that he'll fulfill his promise, that he'll keep his word. He's like that. Trust him to do what he said. Amen? That's how we receive the Holy Spirit. Not by earning, not by getting really spiritual or doing any particular thing, but by faith. Faith in God's word. God promised, we have faith. He promised, we believe. It's his part to promise, his part to fulfill, my part is to trust him. I, you know, I just was listening on, uh, I love that in these days you can listen to the Bible on your phone, you know, put on one of those apps. I used to have cassette tapes and in, you know, in years ago, decades ago in the car and I'd listen to the Bible. It's amazing how quickly you go through it. And I was listening to that um, account where the lady who's not a Jew comes to Jesus and is saying, deliver my daughter. My daughter is oppressed by a spirit. And Jesus at first doesn't pay any attention to her. He doesn't do it. Not I mean, he's so gracious that I've got to think that it was a test to see what's in her heart. How much, how desperate is she? And what does she think about me? How, how, how much does she trust that I can do this? And at one point, and it's hard for us to hear this culturally, but he says it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Ouch. Now, if I, if I said that, I might actually get well-known in town. <laughs> this, this pastor calls people dogs. Uh, like, but Jesus did it. And what did she do? She didn't just go, oh, gosh, I, I, I just feel like that was so harsh. You, you know, I need you to affirm me. No, she, she fired back. She knew this guy's got what I need. Yes, even the dogs eat, lick up the crumbs that fall from the uh, master's table. And Jesus, it says he marveled at her faith. Amen. Wow, man. Marveled? Jesus goes, oh, woman, your faith is great. Be it done to you according to your faith. You can have it for that saying. Go, and her daughter was delivered right away. He did a similar thing to a Roman where he said, I haven't seen that great faith in all of Israel from a Roman centurion. Ah, that's marvelous faith. You trust, you believe I can, you believe I have the ability, you believe I have the will to do it. And that, that's how we receive God's Holy Spirit. The very Spirit that was existent in the second verse of the whole Bible at the creation of the world, the Holy Spirit who was wading over, hovering over the surface of the deep. And when God said, let there be light, he went into action and creation happened. That same Holy Spirit, the eternal Spirit, actually gets deposited in the followers of Jesus Christ. That spirit, he comes to live in us. That's, that's almost like, oh, come on. It's a junior Holy Spirit, right? No, there is no 
It's, there's the Holy Spirit. He comes to live in us, and we receive by faith. There, faith is what God's looking at. There were some, these two women that, when I first got saved, I was going to this home group in Edmonton, and there were two lovely followers of Jesus. And it was at the home of one of these two women. And when they were single, they used to be roommates. And they were, uh, it was at their house, actually, that the night that I had a personal Pentecost and got filled with the Holy Spirit, her husband kind of walked me through it, showed me in the Word, and God did this wonderful thing in my life. But at their house, these two uh, sisters in Christ, they were talking about, they, they were newly saved. Uh, they were telling a testimony about when they were newly saved. And they had heard about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so they prayed. They just thought, oh, God, he's done such great things for us. And they were a little older than me. So I think they came out of the Jesus people movement, the sort of hippies of the uh, late 60s, early 70s. Um, and so, you know, they kind of came in on that wave and when so many people did, and they prayed, God, we want to receive the Holy Spirit. We want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they didn't know the the Bible very well yet. So they had never read this passage about speaking in tongues. And if they had, I know I read it when I first got saved. I didn't understand what I was even reading. I just went by it. It's like, I don't know what that is, but, you know, whatever, speaking in tongues, it doesn't matter, you know. Let's get back to the cross, to the resurrection. Ooh, the power, whatever. I didn't know. They hadn't read that, they got baptized in the Spirit without knowing it, and they said, we, the two of them in their apartment, would speak in tongues, and they would laugh, because they said, we didn't even know what it was. We thought we were the only ones in the world. Like, what is this weird thing that's happening to us? And they're at home, and they'd be, you know, walking around the house, praying in tongues. Didn't know what it was until they noticed then at a baptism at their church, which was... uh, kind of a church built of uh, Jesus people, they heard other people doing this and realized, oh, oh, we're not the only ones, they thought. But they had faith. And they just asked God. He did it. They didn't even yet. They, they had faith for, the, for receiving the Spirit. They didn't know about all the possible manifestations or, you know, the gifts of the Spirit. They just knew they wanted Him, and He filled them, and He did this wonderful thing. And, and then they found out, the, then the truth sort of, uh, of the word sort of followed that. We receive a promise from God and we have faith in his promise. That's how we receive the Holy Spirit. We can't earn it. Same way we, earn, we get forgiveness. We don't earn it. We receive it by faith. We receive the Holy Spirit by faith. We can't earn it. It's, it, it we can't purchase it. Him, I, I'm sorry, I keep saying it. We can't purchase the Holy Spirit. Say he uh, he's a person, not um, an it. So, just like forgiveness of sins. Now, but there are environments that are more conducive than others for receiving the Holy Spirit. Places where the welcome sign is turned on. Or, you know, these... Uh, you know, these neon open signs. It's like there are environments where the sign is on. God, we're, you're welcome here. We're, we're open to receiving the Holy Spirit. The light's turned on. Acts one fourteen says, uh, says in uh, chapter 1, verse 14, 
This is how they waited for the coming of the Spirit. With one mind, they were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Okay? With one mind, they were continually devoting themselves to prayer. In chapter 2, verse 42, it says this. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now there's 3,000. The first time it said they were devoting themselves, there were 120. By this point, now there's 3,120 or somewhere thereabouts. They were continually devoting themselves to teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals together, and to prayer. Then in chapter 4, verse 31, it says this. After the first persecution happened, they come back and they tell the other disciples, Hey, we suffered for Christ. We got... Uh, they, they were indignant toward us because of Jesus Christ. They tell it, they pray. They're all celebrating this thing, actually. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled. Then, last week, we read this from Ephesians, where Paul says to the church, Don't get drunk with wine. That's excess. That leads to debauchery, he says. But be filled with the Spirit. He compares. He says, there are, you know, there's this thing of just overindulging in wine. Don't bother. It's worldly. That kind of intoxicant, that kind of stimulant will wear off. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he carries on saying, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. It's like prayer and worship. These are environments where the welcome sign is turned on. God, we're wanting you. We're, we're needing you. We're desperate for you as we were singing just a little while ago. We want you. Good things happen to people of prayer. Amen? Good things happen to people who are worshiping in spirit and in truth, trying to glorify God, actually offering their hearts to him. Good things happen there. Why shouldn't that be us? We don't earn it by doing it, but we're saying, God, we're, we're putting ourselves in a in a posture to receive from you. We want you. We're seeking you. A couple days ago, I read uh, something that said, instead of designing a church service to attract people, and I love people. I want people. I want all of these rows filled with people who are going after God, who are seeking God. I want that. Um, I'm a numbers guy. I like numbers. I like big numbers. I want it. But instead of designing a church service to attract people, have a service that attracts God. He'll draw the people. (laughs) I I want him. Because I've had him. I've experienced and encountered God when I'm alone. Nobody around to see how incredibly spiritual I am. (laughs) No, no, there's nothing. There's no benefit Except here, except in here, knowing him in that way, nobody else will ever know about it. But it's, except I'm going to always tell you how spiritual I am, about how great it was. No, there's, there's something that takes place with God. It's like I'm seeking him and he comes. We're seeking him and he comes. 
design a service, design a whole church around pleasing God, attracting God, doing what says, God, you're welcome here in our midst. He'll draw the people. Let's worship God. Let's pray. Let's turn on the welcome sign. Amen. For people, yes, but for God. Okay, two things, two more things uh, quickly. Pastor Francis Chan, uh, how many have heard of Francis Chan? Uh, had a very large church in somewhere in the L.A. district, and then he handed it over and went for a few years, uh, I think, to Cambodia or something like that. And he's back, a prolific writer. And he said this in a book regarding the Holy Spirit. Uh, he said, we have skills and abilities, and because of this, we may rely on our own abilities to do things more than on God. We don't necessarily need God in some cases. And he said this. He, as I say, he had a megachurch. He said, with the right people and with his particular skill set, he said, I'm visionary and I can organize people. And he said, I could start a church and have a large church without relying on the Holy Spirit. He, I, which I really appreciate that he acknowledges that he's got the kind of gifting that could do that just on a human level. And he said, but he doesn't want that. He wants what God wants and doesn't want to just do it based on his own skill, but recognizes sometimes we don't need the Holy Spirit, so we don't press in. We're not desperate for him because we can do things on our own. Jesus says we are to go with the good news of Jesus Christ to every nation. Preach the gospel to all of creation. In Acts 1.8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll receive power. Great. And you'll be my witnesses. Here, there, and to the ends of the world. To the ends of the earth. He says, you'll receive power Basically, to be my witnesses. Not just you'll receive power for all kinds of, you know, fun, exciting sort of looking things. You'll receive power to take the news of salvation to the ends of the earth. Power to dazzle people. Power to impress people. Power to make a name for yourself. Wrong. Power to win the world. Power to save sinners. Oh, man. When I'm... You know, tonight we're in the uh, prayer room and we're praying. And I think two years ago, Malik came to Christ and he's in there praying in this room. With, it's like, this is what it's all about. God doing those kind of things. And I want to see that multiplied many times over uh, where God does that. I, You know... I, I've seen the Holy Spirit do some things that were cool and kind of exciting. Uh, my brother-in-law, and around that time, I, I lived with my brother-in-law before we were both married. And uh, he, we were meeting in our kitchen one night. Just, uh, I don't know, we're just sitting in the, in the kitchen. And uh, there were five guys that lived in this house. And... Uh, we were talking about his baptism, which was about to happen, and there was a bit of 
a challenge regarding that because he was from a Catholic background and somebody in his family wasn't really happy that he was getting baptized in a, you know, a, the, in our church. And um, so it's like, oh, let's pray. And we started praying. And as we're doing it, I felt like God said, pray for him to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he's sitting about as far away as Sharice is from me uh, in this room. And it's, uh, I think it was July or August. It was warm in there. And he's wearing like a tank top and shorts. But he started in this thing to shiver like it was freezing in there. And he's sitting down and I prayed. I did not touch him, just prayed, Holy Spirit, fill him. And he started shaking and without much prompting, started speaking in tongues. For a little while, there were four or five other people. Whenever I'd pray for someone to get baptized in the Spirit, that shaking thing would happen. And I got to say, I liked it because it kind of built my faith. It's like, oh, something's happening. It's like, you know, you stick your finger in the electrical socket something's happening you know it you know there's evidence of it well that's happened for a little while and then it was over it was just a season and i liked it but i'm not chasing the sign i liked the sign but i want people actually filled with the holy spirit like him and he's gone on and continued to do it god does the 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 razzle dazzle is wonderful but god wants to equip us empower us to change the world amen That's what we want. I mean, the signs are great, but I want more than that. God wants more than that. You'll receive power to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is determined to complete the mission that Jesus gave us. He's determined to save the world through us. He empowers us to do it. We cannot do it without him. It's too big. Now that's a task that Francis Chan and nobody else can do without him. Billy Graham can't, well, now he really can't, but he couldn't anyway. It's like gifted person, but he needed God's spirit to do that. We all do. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to do the divine work. We need divine power, divine skill, divine leading. Through us, the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. He pierces hearts like he did in Acts 2.37. He turns people to faith and life in Jesus. He makes Jesus known to the world. But he also makes Jesus known to us personally. The other side of what the Spirit does is deeply personal for each individual. And I love him for it. He does in us personally, sorry, what he does in us personally would be impossible without him doing it. He's working in us to produce Christ-likeness, to make us look like Jesus, guiding us into the truth, uh, producing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. These things, that's... That's Christ. That's Christ-likeness. And he produces that in us. The, uh, in uh, the Apostle Peter says, he, he uh, begins his second letter by speaking about the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. He's making us holy. He, a sanctifying work. He's dealing with our sinful nature, it says in Romans uh, 8.13. Uh, he's he's uh, putting to death 
the, the misdeeds of our sinful nature so we can live. The Holy Spirit is bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Thank God for that. He's, he's doing that. He's acknowledging God as our Father on the inside of us, making us like Jesus, convincing us that we're His children, which is an impossible feat without the very Spirit of God telling us that on the inside. Amen? Anybody need that? Anybody need the Holy Spirit affirming the reality that you are a child of God? Not just a person. If, if I could convince you that you are, and it was just on a human level, some other person could convince you you're not. But the Holy Spirit does it. And it's like, yep, I can face so much other stuff because he's born witness on the very inside in our deepest, uh, our innermost being. All this to say we need the Holy Spirit. Can you say that's true for you? We need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. So, to repeat last Saturday's message, ask and keep asking for the Spirit of God. Seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking, because God the Father gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask in faith. Let's keep asking. Let's not settle and say, oh, I... I got filled with the Holy Spirit. For me, that was nearly 40 years ago. Great as it was, it, it, it's not enough now. I want him now. 